that part was a little a little different because I had seen so much in terms of the brokenness in people um, without being able, again, without being taught that brokenness happens and God restores. I wasn't taught that. Hello, my friends. Thanks for tuning in and welcome to the show. On behalf of Disciple of City, I'm Todd Carlton, and this is the Toddcast. As always, we capture testimonies of how Jesus became real in people's lives and sent them in a completely different direction. To see pictures of these great people and to stay current with what's going on, follow us along on Instagram at the Toddcast underscore DAC. And check out every disciple sent on Facebook and Instagram to find out how you can be equipped to share the gospel. My guest today is from Moncton, New Brunswick. He is the founder of 180 Ministries, focusing on youth. He's a rap artist that has released six indie albums, and in 2017, he won the Covenant Award for Rap Album of the Year for his album, Reverence. Please welcome 180. <laughs> hey, man. This room filled up quick. <laughs> <laughs> it did. It did fill up quick. How's it going? Very good, man. Very good. Man, thanks for coming in and taking some time. You get, you're on tour right now across Canada. Yeah, yeah. Fresh IE and myself have been uh, been just going out and sharing the gospel uh, and and really having a good time. So, uh, I mean, I'm super happy to be here. Like, really, thank you for for doing this, you know? Yeah, and I appreciate it because um, I knew you guys played last night here in, in our city, Peterborough, and uh, you're playing tonight in Mississauga, just on the other side of Toronto. What about after that? Where do you go after that? This is the last one of this specific tour. So uh, Mississauga will be the uh, the end of the national tour. We started this one in August. Um, August 19th was our first date in Moncton, and then uh, we've been kind of going since. Yeah, so you're in need of a rest then, I I'm, guess, I'm, eh? I'm ready to close it down for a couple of days. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's all. I just need a couple of days. I'll be back. Awesome. Well, man, can we, uh, let's go back to the beginning. Uh, you grew up in Halifax yep. and what was, uh, life like for you in Halifax as yeah, a kid? Uh, it's, uh, it, it's interesting cause my, like I was really loved growing up, you know, uh, my, I, mostly raised by my grandparents. Um, my mom has her own testimony and I like to let her tell it because it's a good one. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, being raised by my grandparents uh, who loved me a lot. Um, and, uh, yeah, it looked out for me. Um, that doesn't take away from, you know, the idea of making bad decisions and, you know, growing up and, you know, things uh, things that were presented to us as, as kids sometimes look real shiny and really nice and, you know, we respond to them that way. So, um, yeah, usually when people say, you know, what was your childhood like or you're up or, or, or that, I always just say I was loved. Like I, that part I, I know for sure. Yeah. Which is good. So, so what happened that sort of sent you down the path that you went down? Yeah. So, uh, there was a, there was a, m a moment happened, uh, actually happened in church, um, when I was about seven years old and I saw a conversation happening and you know, when you can just tell that, you know, there's no love in this conversation, you know what I mean? Like you can tell that this is a condemnation talk, um, rather than a restoring or a correcting talk, it was, you know, um, and it was just, it was two ladies, an older lady talking to a younger lady. And she said to her, you know, you shouldn't have been in the club last night. And even at seven, my only thought was, well, how would she know she was in the club last night? Unless she was in the club last night. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? And it was just the way that she was going at this girl. Like, you know, it, I just, 
I had a hard time wrapping my head around it. And uh, on the other on the other side of my family, my grandmother on my father's side had nine sons, and uh, so obviously there's going to be some ups and downs in that in that household, you know. Um, but the one thing that was constant is that those guys had each other's back, no matter what. Um, a lot of them weren't serving God or anything like that, but they had each other's back, and that stood out to me just as much as the conversation I saw at the church. Yeah. And so um, when I was, you know, as a kid formulating who I was going to become in my own head, yeah, I wanted it to be more like my uncle's, you know. He's got your back. Right, right, you know. Um, And saying that, knowing what I know now, I, I wasn't able to piece it together that, you know, these are people and they are going to get it wrong, <laughs> you know, and I didn't know how to separate that from God, you know. So when I saw that conversation, that was, well, that's how they all, that's how this must be, <laughs> you know, Yeah. versus when I saw my uncles, that's how this must be. Right. So, so then, uh, so what, okay. So the, well, it's pretty observant when you're seven. Mm-hmm. But it, but it is something, right? When you're in a place that's expressing love, and then you see something condemning, or yeah, whatever. I, I, like I kind of felt bad for the younger girl that was being spoken to, right? Because I, okay, on one hand, that's embarrassing, right? To I shouldn't have been able to even hear that conversation. She wasn't my mother or aunt or like we're in the foyer of a church, right? Yeah. Uh, so there's that part, and I felt bad because you can see the girl just breaking like she's read. Obviously the statement wasn't wrong, but sometimes the delivery matters and other people are watching and yeah. it impacted me maybe more than it impacted the woman she was talking to. Yeah. You know? Um, so yeah, that, that really, really, really stood out to me. So as you grew into your teen years then, and you're, as we all do get into our teen years, trying to navigate who we are, what's our identity, where do I fit in? And then whether or not, your parents' faith is really truly yours. Right. What what take us through through that? Yeah, so um, we went to church uh, every Sunday in, in that in our house, and uh, I was given the opportunity one Sunday to make my own decision, and so I chose not to go. And uh, it's almost it's almost like the, the enemy was waiting for me, right? The moment he okay, he's ready, right? Um, it was instantly I started just going a different path, you know, so started interacting with uh, gang members in my city and, you know, started, uh, you know, stealing vehicles and, and selling drugs and, and all of that. And I was probably about uh, 13, 14, 15 in that kind of age range when that, when that started happening. So how does, how does that, like, how do you, how does that start? Just, you, you just make friends and you're hanging out and they're, you kind of start witnessing well, what they're doing. Well, and well, no, in our, in our community that we grew up in, it was very prevalent anyway, especially the drug activity. Right. Um, so, uh, the, the, it was always around. And so some people actually, that was their income, you know, that was their, their way of, and as a kid, you know, all the cool guys that you see all the time with the cars and the shoes and all of that, though, that's what you see the most. And that, that excites you. You know, around this time, so I'm 43 now, but around, like, during that time, that's when, you know, like, the sneaker craze is starting to kick in and all of those things and all of the things that cost money that you can't get, yeah. you know, um, but these guys have, and they're happy to give it to you, you know, as as, as a kid if, in our community, if you were good at a sport or 
good at something like that, the the guys who were on the street would actually support you. So you'd stay off it, you know? Mm. Um, so like it was one of those things where even, even those guys were good guys. You that's know? yeah. That's interesting. Eh? They're, yeah. they're, they're in that life, but still there's, there's a piece of goodness in there. Eh? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, some people, some people, I believe some people don't just, don't know that there is another option if that's all you've seen. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, the Bible says, raise them up in the way of the Lord. Well, it's the same the other way too. <laughs> you know, if you raise them up in all of this negative all the time, they're going to see that as well. And it's going to become normal for them the same ways. If you raise them up in the Lord, it's going to become normal for them. Yeah. Right. And so for me, it was a little bit more difficult because I had both things happening at the same time, but I had a couple of experiences like I talked about that, uh, that really, guided me a little bit yeah so this sent you down a path you you eventually got pretty heavy into the drugs eh? yeah yeah i ended up uh with a heavy cocaine addiction um really uh really consuming this uh took took over my life and uh really 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 messed with a lot man it was really damaging so but on the way to that or in in that process you got married is that right yeah 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 so you got married did you have any kids yeah we've, we've got kids between us there's six i actually have a granddaughter now Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, awesome. In that season, yeah. We, we so in that season, when you're dealing with this Coke addiction, you're married, how many kids at that time? Uh, three in our house. Yeah. Three in your house. So uh, Three in my own. So uh, how, how did that, what, your wife was obviously aware of it. It's kind of hard to hide that kind of addiction when you're, Yeah. I mean, you try to, right? But I mean, she would, she, I'm, I'm sure she would say she spent a little bit of time in, uh, in, in the denial part of it. You know, um, and, and maybe not the denial that it's happening, but the denial that it's a problem. Right. You know, um, because again, like I, I, I've always been a, a my space kind of person, right? Like I, 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 I retreat sometimes I need to, you know, get space and breathe and, and, and I've always been that way. And so me spending time in the room isn't unnormal, you know, it's not something that would throw somebody off i guess if you will yeah so it kind of grew and built without her really seeing much change in terms of what what i do when i come home from work right or because that was always the same i go to the same room it's just now i've added cocaine to what i'm doing when i'm in that room yeah and she wasn't into any of that no no so um and cause I heard a little bit of your testimony last night. So what was the, what was the breaking point for your wife in this? And then what, what happened? How did you go on? Yeah, well it, it was financially, it was becoming really, really hard for me to cover how things were going because, uh, the guy I was actually buying my, my drugs from worked with me. So he knew when I would get paid, he knew how much I get paid. So it, I could always get stuff early right before payday and all of that because he knew it would come back and at the time that seems real convenient man <laughs> when you're right? in that space Ooh, like you know so so that became something that it first started out with well i'll just get a little bit from you this time and then it grew 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 and uh, and then it became normal to where i'm handing this guy paychecks now mm. right and then so that just that obviously you can't hide that for too long you know when you're uh when you when you're surviving off a two-person income right you can't can't do that so uh so yeah she uh she approached me and just was you know she was on some we're not staying in this so you're gonna have to make a decision and you know it was basically a us or us or it kind of thing and uh anybody who knows me knows that you know if you if you put family on the line i'll just 
that's what it's going to be. Yeah. Right. I'll always choose that. So that's, that's kind of, kind of what happened. So what was, what was God saying to you at this time? Cause obviously like you still believed, right? You yeah. just kind of drifted away from like following. If yeah. You will. I, I, it's funny. Cause I always, I always tell people like, I, I, I always believed, but it was, it was more of the, you know, I don't swear around the church believed, you know, and yeah. <laughs> like that kind of believed like, you know, um, so for, for me, that, that part was, uh, that part was a little, a little different because I had seen so much in terms of the brokenness in people, um, without being able, again, without being taught that brokenness happens and God restores. I wasn't taught that. Right. I just, Oh, that person's off. Oh, that person's this. Oh, you know, um, and that's how, you know, in our community think people are brushed off. And so, uh, for me, it was really, uh, really hard for me to, decipher that you know and, and break that down so um when tasha presented me with the whole loss of family thing it was it was an easy decision the problem was is god god was pulling at me and put me in different positions and situations with people who cared about me so i ended up i started going back to church with a friend of mine even while still in the addiction just because this guy got saved and i knew something happened right like he before he got saved he was not a guy who i would think would get saved or put the liquor down or put any of it you know what I mean? it just didn't yeah. make sense to me and he came back so drastically changed that you had to take notice right and then if you got him talking about it you couldn't stop him right and so i uh i one day kind of hit him with the wall what do, what do i got to do to get you to to stop right now? all right and he was like come to church with me Oh, if that's the answer, I guess I'll do it. Right? And I went and, uh, you know, it's the, it's, the, it's one of the most common repeated stories. And I think it's the, it's one of the things that, that God just laughs at us because he's like, yeah, I'm gonna do it to another one. Like, I'm just gonna keep doing it where I showed up at church that Sunday and I sit down, you know where I'm going. I sit down, the pastor starts speaking and he's got uh, bullet points of my entire life <laughs> while you're sitting there. Right. And he's going through this message and he's, he's beating me up, like not, like not beating me up, but actually picking out things that only I would know. Right. Like, Oh yeah. To the point where I look over at my buddy and I'm like, bro, that's disrespectful. Like you call it. I don't know that man. You tell that man my business like that. Like, <laughs> Yeah, like I was mad. Like in my head, we're fighting when we get outside. Like that's yeah. where my brother I was with it. Like you don't do that, man. But then uh, he introduced me to the pastor afterwards, and I shook his hand. And I don't know if if this ever happened to you, but you know, you, you go to shake someone's hand, and you just feel comfortable. Like you feel this is a genuine good person, you know. Um, and yeah, it was just like that that feeling of you set me up switch to man. I'm so glad you brought me here, you know, real quick, because that was probably the first encounter I'd had with a person of faith that I a hundred percent trusted, mm. you know, and I didn't know this guy, right. I'd never met him before. And you know, my whole life survival was on, you don't trust people. Right. So like for that to happen, even that was, I, I you know, I kind of took it as a sign or a nudge. And he obviously didn't know you were coming. Yeah. In so. fact, in fact, the, 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 what he had told, what he told us was he had a message prepared until the Thursday of that week and then had to change it. That's so amazing. I love that. Bro. That happened similar in church where when I first started going all curious yep. 
and the pastor speaking, and I start looking left and right, thinking, "Did somebody tell? How does he? Man, right? It, it's it, I, so I, I freaky. Feel, I feel like it's God's. That that's God's go to. That's the easy one. Like if I can get him into church, watch what I do when he sits down. Kind yeah, of thing. Right? Like, it, oh yeah, that's because I, I hear that kind of way, like that story told in different ways yeah. a lot of people right like yeah i just put my stuff on and went on the screen right or god did this or god did that right you know because he um, speaks to us right he's pursuing us exactly so where where was the next where was the next pursuit what did that what did that lead to so uh the you know trying to get off the drugs after my wife approached me and you know went with the family thing, uh, losing the family and all of that. So, um, I had ended up, I told her I'd quit and I tried to in my own strength and, uh, failed miserably and ended up, uh, very depressed and going through mental stuff. And, uh, I ended up in hospitalized and, uh, I had a suicide attempt hmm. and, uh, and oh, go ahead. No, man, I just, not, sorry. The oh, spirit just yeah. twitched me when you said that. Yeah. So I had a suicide attempt and, uh, when I was in the hospital, uh, after that, uh, my uncle, uh, my uncle Corey, I, I, I love the man and man of God loves Jesus. Um, I was actually outside on the step having a cigarette and he, uh, he pulled in and it always stood out to me cause I knew when he would pull in because he had a Hummer and nobody in our family needed a Hummer. So you knew when I saw him, I was just like, that's uncle Corey for no good reason. Right. So, but, uh, and he always said, well, I mean, we're talking about it, aren't we? It's a conversation starter. So anyway, he had this Hummer and I'm sitting at the, at the Nova Scotia hospital and I'm having a cigarette and, uh, he pulls in and, um, he gets out walks up and he goes, you know, I have to have a conversation with you that your father should have had with you, but couldn't. And we sat and he sat on the step with me. I didn't invite him over. He didn't call first or any of that. This is God acting like God again, right? Like yeah. I just came out to have a smoke and in pulls my uncle and he left his house specifically to come tell me what God had put on his spirit without any planning. Right. Um, and so anyway, he sits down and he starts telling me about, you know, how my, how my father actually loved me and just didn't know how to. You know, and how, you know, and he started, you know, all the stuff like the, the anger and the things that I was holding, he was, you know, he was helping me through, mm. right? Like he was, you know, he was having that father conversation with me on behalf of my father, which was really needed at the time. Right. And, and so, uh, and he was, as he was doing it, he, he just kept constantly mentioning God and, and you know, there's more for you, you know, Tia, you're not a failure. So the fact that you couldn't pull this off, <laughs> the fact that you couldn't pull off that attempt must tell you something. That means God is keeping you here for something. And he just kept doing that, right? And talking that into me. It, we sat for probably, you know, would have been about 45 minutes. It felt like seven hours, right? Like, because it, it was just such a heavy, heavy moment. And uh, I went back in to the hospital and got a pass to go, go to church. And, uh, you know, a few things, God, a few, God moved a few things and a few people on that Sunday morning. And the next thing I knew, I was applying to Teen Challenge. And, uh, and then he really, really went to work. Can you uh, just explain, uh, like, real briefly what Teen Challenge is yeah, for our out-of-country guests? It's my favorite thing to explain. So Teen Challenge is a faith-based uh, rehab program for uh, for addictions. Um, it is it is 100% uh, ran on the Jesus factor. You know, I, I understand the 12 steps are important and, 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 and all of that, but the, the, the higher power is Jesus, period, and Amen. that's what sets sets us apart and so i tell people even in the program the teen challenge isn't what gets you clean and keeps you clean what teen challenge does is it helps you change your default system so as addicts we have we have what we call i call it the default system where 
when something goes wrong or something happens, we go back to what we know. We, re- we resort. It's kind of like a computer. When a computer crashes, all the apps and stuff you have on it become useless and it goes back to its original state. It goes back to what it understands and knows, right? We're, we're the same in that way. So what Teen Challenge does is it gives you a foundation to create a new default system. So now when something happens in my life, I have a new a new default system to return to. Now I'm, I, I have a new filter. I'm going back. When something happens now, I'm going back to that instead of, you know, having to medicate it or having to cover it over or having to hide it or whatever the case may be. Now I'm in an automatic position to bring it to the Lord because that's what that 12 months does, right? It's every day, the same thing, routine, routine, repeat, repeat, routine, chapel. <laughs> you know, like I could still list you my day from 645 until 10 p.m. on that program because uh. it was the same every day. But what it did was it created routine for me and discipline and the ability to, you know, when things happen, fall on the Lord instead yeah. of trying to find some other way to figure it out. And while you were in there, did you have an encounter with Jesus or did you have like multiple, those moments? Multiple, like, but yeah. the big one that really stood out to me that has me in a, in a state of trust in God is uh, we, I was working in the kitchen and the students do all of the stuff right in the program because it helps you with the life skills. And I was working in the kitchen and uh, we had a walk-in freezer and I'd gone out into the walk-in freezer to start getting ready to start lunch. And, uh, when I open the freezer, only thing left in there is hot dogs, right? So I go back in and uh, I'd be I, all right with that. Right. But <laughs> I go back in and I say to the director, I'm like, all we got out there is hot dogs. Right. And he's like, well, you, what, what you? I was like, I can't feed these guys hot dogs again. Like there's 17 of us and none of us came in here cause we were having a good day. So I don't want yeah. to give these guys that. Right. <laughs> and so he goes, he goes, well, did you pray about it? And I was like, and I got so frustrated. I was like, no, somebody already prayed about it. That's why we have Sobeys. Right. Like, no, like <laughs> I need you, to, I need you to go get some groceries. Right? And uh, he said, no, get the guys together and go in the chapel and pray. So this would have been about 11 o'clock in the morning. Cause I was just prepping lunch and we started praying, man. And, and uh, at, at about one thirty, which is about it, I'll explain the time frame really quickly in a sec. But at about one thirty, somebody shows up, truck pulls in, somebody shows up at the center and he comes in. And he says, uh, my men's group, uh, we, uh, we we bought you guys a pig and a half a cow. Wow. And we've been working on this for a while, blah, blah, blah. So when we started praying around 11 o'clock, it's two and a half hours to drive from where this church was. Wow. And so at one thirty. <laughs> He shows up with this meat and that part of the conversation, nobody else had caught, but I just broke because I started doing the math, right? I started putting it together here. I had this, this, this problem, right? That I figured was a man issue to solve. Let's just go get the groceries, man. I know somebody donated enough money here for us to have groceries. Like nobody's going to see us starve. (laughs) They care about this program. Yeah. But that's not what God needed. And I was right. <laughs> but God, that's not what God needed to have happen that day for me to get what I needed from him. Right. And yeah. so because, yeah, for, of course, there's a budget for the groceries. My wife works there now. I know there was a budget for the groceries, but God needed to work through Remy to teach me something yeah. that I needed to learn that day. Wow. Trust. Yeah. Did you pray about it? And I really I said the exact no, man, I don't have to. Somebody already did get the food. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. So now, um, we didn't, you didn't talk about it in the, in the beginning mm-hmm. specifically, but obviously rap hip hop was very big as you were growing up and you were going down all these paths and stuff. Absolutely. So you have all these encounters, you, you, you get set free 
through through the Lord and Teen Challenge. You come out of there. How did this career in music start, or well, even or even the um, the the ministry? Did you start the one eighty ministries first, or did the rap career start? The or rap which? career was first. Um, I had a, I had a, a little secular run as well um, with with my music. So um, so the rap career was first, um, and then uh, like the 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 way that this came about was uh, like what I do now actually happened through while I was in teen challenge, God had already begun setting up this ministry through other people. So, um, the quick chronological goes, um, I, uh, I get in my life coach and finds out that I love hip hop music and starts, uh, having me do, uh, every month I had to paraphrase a portion of scripture and turn it into a song. Mm. He'd give me scripture. He'd say, write me a song out of this. All right. And I'd have to do that every month for 12 months. And uh, then when I graduated, uh, the director now, Matt, he had actually already designed my first album cover for me. I didn't ask him to do it. It was just done, right? So now I have these 12 songs and an album cover. What do you do, right? Um, yeah, and, and they just really, you know, were, were, were pushing me into that. And then I get a call from uh, Fresh IE, which is another funny story. He's sitting in an airport in Halifax, and I get a message on Twitter says, hey, man, I need your, I need your number. And... Uh, I had remembered while I was in Teen Challenge, I, he was on the cover of a magazine and I saw the magazine. I said, he'd be cool to meet. So I instantly thought that a few guys that I was in the program with thought they'd be funny and send me this tweet, <laughs> send me this message on Twitter. Right. So my two thoughts were, well, one, it's either my friends and they have my number anyway, and I should probably tell them that they need to get a life because <laughs> you have time to make a fake Twitter account just to bug me. Not cool. So, yeah. But then I was like, or it's actually fresh. I, I should probably just send this number. And so I did, man. And he, he reached out and all of those things. Like I took those as God saying, this is what we're going to do now. Right. This, mm. this is what we do. Um, because those are things that were happening without, without me making them happen or, or even really being involved in them happening to the point where it was other people being prompted and being obedient to what he, what he said, that was showing me signs and, and, and different, you know, different miracles, I guess, if you will, like Matt's not even a rap fan, but designed one of my favorite rap album covers I've ever seen, wow. right? you know, and, 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 and like just, and Mark to do that for me with the paraphrasing of scripture, that's just not a teen challenge model. Right. And so like a lot of things were happening that were abnormal, just enough for me to recognize them as God being God. Yeah. And it's really interesting how it's like a music or a genre that you love. Mm -hmm. And then him obviously putting that in you, but turning it into how yeah. the message that he wants you to spit oh, out man. through it. Right. It's, it's different. It's different. Yeah. yeah. So, um, you won a covenant award for, we have a bunch of listeners in different countries. Can you just say what a covenant award is? Yeah. So it's the gospel music association of Canada. It's uh, it's their, it's their version of the dove awards that happens in the States. Um, so yeah, it's our national kind of Christian music uh, award award program. Awesome. That's awesome. Congratulations on that. Appreciate that. So um, after, after paraphrasing scripture, mm -hmm. Are you having stuff just come out of your heart now? Yeah, in, in well, some of your stuff. Well, one of the things I, I always say is uh, I don't, I don't set out. It's funny. I don't set out to to write or create Christian music. What I do is I set out to write life music of what's going on in my life. And it just so happens that if your art is honest, which I always think it should be, if your art is from you, well, 
God is flowing through me. So it's going to reflect in what I write, Yeah, you know, it's going to show and and what comes out. And so, um, as far as like, I feel like God puts me in a lot of situations and I see a lot of things and I get to experience a lot of things, um, that give me opportunities to write. Um, but yeah, I, I, man, I, I basically write about Tuesday, (laughs) you know, whatever, whatever that moment is for me. That's, that's where I write. So, yeah. Um, I just want to play something here real quick. Uh, just perusing through your, your catalog and listening to some of your stuff. Uh, Let's see where I can find it here. This complicated. Yes. Can you just talk about this? What, yeah. what this is? This was just something that I don't know. Just looking through, listening to some of your stuff, and yeah. just something that really, yeah, I found interesting. Yeah, I, I feel like, um, well, I, I, I know that I've been blessed to be able to uh, interact in a lot of circles, you know, and uh, and do it effectively where I can have an uh, an intelligent and respectful conversation with people, no matter what side of anything they're on. You know, I I don't necessarily always like it because it's pressure, but uh, it is what it is. And so in this in, in when the George Floyd uh, murder happened, I was uh, I was really stuck in a tough situation, a tough position because I'm one, a man of faith and I can't turn that off. You know, I don't want to. I'm also a man of color and I can't turn that off and don't want to. I'm very proud of proud of who I am. Um, but I'm also a member of a community that is tor- tearing apart that has nothing to do with either of those. You, know? um, you just, you, I live here and it matters to me, right? Like whether I was a Christian or not, this would matter to me, right? Um, and so what I realized though is that by t- I felt I felt that God had called me to be kind of like a middleman, right? So I was the one talking to the members of our church about, you know, how we can interact with the people in our community who don't look like you or don't, you know, or don't, you know, come here or whatever. Um, But at the same time, trying to help my community understand that, you know, there's a difference between religion and relationship, you know, and, and, and some religious people might have hurt you and might have done some things to you. But in this relationship, I want to help you come through that and and be there for you what i realized though was while i kept having that conversation i hadn't mourned of something that i had seen myself that caused damage to me like watching that video caused me damage because it wasn't new it wasn't new yeah right but now i'm watching it in 4k (laughs) right like that was hard so understanding my role i still wanted to make sure I, i covered and i don't like to share anything based on opinion yeah, it has to be experienced because you can't argue with a person's testimony, man. You can't argue with with the experience. Hundred percent. Right? I can I can have a different opinion than you, but I can't tell you what you what happened to you. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so, uh, the policing part was really heavy for me because I one have been have been a victim of police brutality, but at the same time, I know some really good cops who really care about their community and the people in it and want the best for the people in it. You know and. They, they both do exist the same as in the church. They both do exist, you know, they, they're there. Um, and so I wanted to be able to, you know, share that too. Like, you know, guys, let's, let's calm down. There's, there is a reason why it looks like it's everybody because of a couple bad apples. I think I say that in the song, a few bad apples will kill a whole pie. Yeah. Right. But at the same time, 
I also wanted to encourage those, those good ones that don't speak out because, and I always said this, I understand why it would be hard to stand up and speak out because your life depends on that other guy. Yeah. Right. Like you could die out here if that guy doesn't have your back. And some of the things that you're not speaking out about this person about have already told you that he'll let you get killed if he had to. Yeah. Right. So how do you still maintain your love for your community and take care of it without, you know what I mean? That's a tough spot to be in, man. I wouldn't want to be in that position. Yeah. Right. Like I got to show a little grace there. I wouldn't want to have to do that. Yeah. yeah. You know? Um, And I don't feel, I don't feel like I have the right to tell somebody where their boldness should be. Right. Because it's a, it's a, it's a path that God has you on and that's yours and his. And my boldness might not match yours. You know, we were just with uh, Pastor Brian last night. My boldness does not match his, <laughs> right? I mean, I'd love for it to, and I'm going to keep praying into it till it gets there, you know, but that's just a f- on fire, full on man of God who doesn't, it's coming out. Yeah. Right? He's going to, you know, um, so I, I, I can't, I can't judge someone for the journey and boldness that they're on. That's not my place, you know, Yeah. but I do want to make sure I didn't want to give anybody a pass either. And there's even a part in there at the end where I talk about the church, like don't hide behind your diverse seats. We're not dying in your buildings. We're out in these streets. Right. Because I noticed a lot of that too, where some, where, where, you know, well, you know, our church is so is diverse and we want to make sure that we have, you know, a few black people on stage for this. And we want to make sure that we hire this. That's not, that's not what I'm after. You're, we're the church. We got to get outside these walls, man. Yeah. We're not dying in here. I don't need you to bring more black people into the stage. Yeah. I need you to get more of us equipped to go out there and reach our own outside of the building. Yeah. Right. You know? And so that was kind of where that song came from was just a, you know, Lord, I want to share, I want to help. I want it, but I'm not getting better myself because I keep having this repetitive talk and I'm not mourning. And I, you know, because after you see that stuff happen so much, I just lost another brother. Cause that could have been me. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, I see his face when I, you know, I see my face when I think of him, Yeah, you know, like that could have been me. Right. So, I love that. Get more people out there because that's exactly what our ministry, Disciple of City, that's what we're all about, right? Just getting people out there because people aren't, some people are, but by and large, people aren't coming into the church, man. And we've been commanded to go, right? Mm -hmm. We've been commanded to go. Uh, Really want to honor your time because I know you guys got to rip out for a sound check and stuff like that, but... um, where where can uh, people find your music that yeah. are listening? Yeah, so uh, you can go to 180.com. So it's O-N-E-8-T-E-A.com. Uh, uh, 180 represents the U-turn in my life and just turning turn from, uh, you know, all the drugs and the, the bad stuff. And um, So, yeah, that you can find me there. I'm on all the social, social media sites the same way. Um, just released a new documentary on my life. So if you need more information, it's, uh, there's some of that on there. Just uh, we, we won an ECMA uh, East Coast Music Award last uh, last year and uh quickly I'll, I'll say so what they had done is on the east coast they had removed the uh, gospel category from the awards hmm. and uh i just felt that i took it personally and i felt the need to show them that you know you probably should have left us in our own little category but if you need us to compete with you you're probably going to lose because we have excellence and we're uh, you know if we're flowing with that jesus factor and you can't beat us so if you really want us to be in your categories you're going to start losing your categories and so i ended up winning that award and they had to deal with the fact that a professing christian album was their uh, number one album on the east coast for 
for hip hop for that year. And uh, guess what category's back this year? It's beautiful. They're never going <laughs> to let that happen to us, to them twice. That's but, good. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, you can find all my stuff there. But we did a documentary on that, and that's also on my uh, on my website and page. Cool. And and you're on Facebook. Yeah, all, all the socials. What's your Instagram handle? One eighty underscore KMF. KMF. Yeah. All right. So we are gonna. We'll, we'll put that in the footnotes for this too on the on our Instagram and uh, and that. So I have one one more question for you, man. I really appreciate your time, man. It's really cool to meet you and hear your story. Love it. Love the one eighty turn because that's so. That's just what it is, right? Yeah. Um, you know, because when we you talked about experience, right? And when you have an experience, you recognize we recognize things in others when they're. Mm-hmm. starting down a path of the same experience. Right. So when this, I'm sure you meet lots of kids when you're on tour and people that come to your shows and stuff, but now your tours winding up, you're back to your, your normal life. Mm-hmm. You come across a kid that is starting to head down the path that you were, and you have an opportunity to speak to the man right quick. What do you say? I love you. That's where, that's, that's it. I love you. And, and I'll tell you why. Um, he doesn't. He doesn't need me to tell him he's doing bad. He already knows. He knows. God's already there. He knows. He knows he's not doing good. He just needs to have somebody who loves God just love him. And who knows how that how that goes? But start the conversation there because you know that's one of the main commandments for us. Just love my brother. And I don't know what that necessarily looks like. So I'm just going to, I love you. And then you and I can figure out how you need me to love you. And then we'll get you to where you, where you need to go. But love and prayer, I don't need your, I don't need you for that. I don't need your permission for that. I can love you and pray for you without you saying I can do it over here quietly to myself. (laughs) Doesn't even have to, you know, so I love you. That's it. I love how quick that came out of your mouth, man, without hesitation. That's just an essence of who lives in you and who you really are, bro. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Thanks so much, man. Hey, I appreciate you having me. Yeah. Have a great show tonight and uh, enjoy your well-deserved rest afterwards. Appreciate it, brother. That is the message from Christ, friends, that he loves us. The cross came out of love. I'm just really moved by 180's uncle having that conversation with him, having that fatherly conversation with him, which was Christ in his uncle moving through him to show the father's love to him. And it doesn't matter where you are, what you're going through, if you grew up in it or you didn't. There's no condemnation in him and he just wants to fill you with his love so you can do a 180 and be set free.